Hi, this is Free City Radio. Um, this is the 62nd edition. Uh, it is Tuesday, the 5th of October. Thank you for tuning in. I wanted to feature on the program today a conversation that I had with Aya Majzoub, uh, who works with Human Rights Watch in Beirut. Um, we had a conversation about political activism and movements in Beirut over the last few years. Um, I'm recording this um, podcast, of course, here in Montreal. Um, and I thought it was really important um, from this city, from Montreal, which you can hear around me, uh, to link with Beirut and to hear where things are at today. Obviously, there is a huge connection between Montreal and Beirut uh, in terms of diaspora, um, a lot of cultural ties uh, between artists. And I thought it would be really great to hear from Aya to get a sense um, from the Human Rights Watch office in Beirut where things were at in regards to the campaign calling for justice surrounding the port explosion that took place last year. Uh, for anybody listening here in Montreal, you'll remember that myself and others um, worked on a series of benefit events to support people impacted by the explosion in Beirut with local artists, including Sam Shalabi, Lamia Yarad, um, and many others. Um, also a poetry reading that included a reading from Rawi Haj, the author, and also artist Huda Atra. So there's a long sort of connection, obviously not just over the last year, but over generations between Montreal and Beirut. Um, and I think that Human Rights Watch really provides an important sort of more um, institutional approach to tracking the calls for justice around the port explosion. Uh, there's been, of course, also um, in parallel so much important uh, grassroots activism in Lebanon calling for justice uh, surrounding the port explosion, but most importantly also calling for a deep uh, redrawing of the sectarian orientation of the political system in Lebanon. Of course, that is a framework that's connected to the history of French colonialism within uh, the region, not just Lebanon. Um, so our conversation visits all these points, and here it is. I'll share it today on the 62nd edition of Free City Radio. I'm Stefan Christoph, walking on St. Denis Street here in Montreal. Here's my conversation with Aya from Human Rights Watch in Beirut. Hi, my name is Aya Mirzou. I'm the Lebanon researcher based in Beirut with Human Rights Watch. So over the last years, there's been many campaigns that Human Rights Watch in Beirut has been working to address. Of course, there's the... Uh, campaign for justice uh, surrounding the Beirut explosion and accountability. There's also the protest movement over the last years about social justice and against corruption. These two things are interconnected. 
I'm wondering if you could explain from your perspective in relation to the campaigns that Human Rights Watch has been working on, how those two issues are connected uh, in regards to the calls for accountability of the political class in Lebanon. Yeah, you're absolutely right that they are very, very interconnected events. Um, in October 2019, um, you know, by some accounts, more than you know, two million Lebanese people went down to the streets to protest the government's corruption, incompetence, and mismanagement. Uh, and uh, and that was because they had seen very clearly that the government wasn't acting in the interests of the public, but rather in the interests of the political class. And so we had really mass mobilization in various cities across uh, Lebanon, as well as in various cities across the world organized by Lebanese diaspora, all uniting to say enough is enough. We've had enough of this very corrupt political class that very clearly is not interested in our well-being or public safety or um, you know, ec economic uh, states. Um, and unfortunately, the Beirut blast, which happened several months after the start of the protests, was a very blatant indication of just how little this, this ruling political class cares about the public's health and safety and well-being. Uh, we ran a very long investigation looking into what caused the Beirut blast, looking into you know, how this tons of ammonium nitrates were able to come into the country without any scrutiny and then remain in the port for so long. Mm -hmm. And we found uh, very you know, strong evidence mm -hmm. to suggest that uh, Lebanon's politicians, including the former head of the army, uh, former ministers, the former prime minister, were all not only aware of the ammonium nitrates uh, in the port, which exploded and caused the Beirut blast, but also aware of the dangers posed by the ammonium nitrate. But instead of doing anything to protect the public, we saw instead these high-level figures mislead the judiciary uh, in, in their communications with them uh, with regards to the threat posed by the ammonium nitrates, uh, which really prolonged the presence of the ammonium nitrates in the ports. Um, we also just saw you know, a blatant uh, lack of concern for uh, public safety in the way that the material was stored. You know, okay, it's, it, it was in the port, there were battles over, you know, who, who it was for, and, but it was stored, you know, 2,700 tons of ammonium nitrate were stored in the middle of the port, which is in the middle of a densely populated city, without so much as a sprinkler system, without guards around uh, the hangar. Uh, piled, you know, the, the ammonium nitrate was piled up on top of each other with fireworks and hydrochloric acid and different types of, of oils. I mean, they created a makeshift bomb in this hangar, um, and, and, and it was all caused by its general incompetence and mismanagement and really a lack of regard for public safety. And in all of the interviews that we conducted with high-level officials, maybe with the exception of one, there was absolutely no remorse, absolutely no uh, indication that they gave that you know, they were seriously considering their role in creating one of the largest non-nuclear explosions in the world. Instead, we saw politicians you know, try to deflect blame off of themselves and blame literally everybody else. Well, that really brings up sort of one of the central points of the protest movement, which really uh, took aim at 
basically um, the wide spectrum of political parties in Lebanon. Um, and, you know, um, I would really encourage people who are listening to this to take a moment to read a bit about Lebanon's political system and uh, the various sort of ways that it um, enforces sectarian um, frameworks of political power uh, in the country. And that's, of course, connected to French colonialism. But one of the things that the, the protests have been really trying to push is this idea of disrespect towards the common sort of daily life struggle of a lot of people. Um, like uh, the protests have focused on uh, bread and butter issues. So looking at access to uh, food, looking at access to electricity, uh, maybe about seven or eight years ago, there was mass protests about public services around garbage collection. It seems that this explosion and the fact that the, the, the storage of ammonium nitrate in the port of Beirut uh, very, very close, of course, to many civilian neighborhoods, uh, shows this sort of broader uh, issue of disregard for public interest that these protests have been uh, bringing attention to. I'm just, I guess, just finally, um, you know, people often think about, you know, protest movements um, as sort of looking towards like a different vision for society. Um, this protest movement in Lebanon seems to be pointing to, in that direction, but also really talking about, and and I, I, I'm really interested to hear your point on this, because it seems that there's also a huge focus just on the urgency of sort of trying to draw attention to the problems that people are having in regards to daily life issues. Absolutely. I mean, the... The protest started on October 2019 when, um, you know, the, the bulk of or the, the most devastating impacts of the economic crisis hadn't yet been felt, but people's standards of living had been declining over the last several years. Um, but the protests were, I mean, they were hopeful. People were uh, reimagining what a political system could could look like. You, you mentioned a few um, the protests that broke out several years ago in 2015 against uh, uh, anti-government protests due to the garbage that had been piling up on the streets. But I think what was really interesting in comparing both protest movements is that the 2015 protest movements were very much, you know, against corruption against a few people that they thought were responsible for the corruption in, in the government. But the 2019 protests were really against this entire sectarian mm -hmm. uh, political system that people had finally realized was not working in their interests. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't anymore against you know, a few bad apples or this party or that. It was really for the first time people realizing that um, the political class had weaponized you know, sectarian discourse to try to sow division amongst the people. And it was really the first time where people from across all of the different sects united and really changed the narrative. It became us, the people, versus them, the politicians, rather than like the Sunnis versus the Shias versus the Maronites versus the Orthodox. And that was a really big shift in public discourse that we saw. And it's one that keeps you know, carrying on today. Mm -hmm. But as you say, I mean, when, you know, that the economic crisis in Lebanon is now uh, so acute. 
Um, even the World Bank has said it's one of the worst uh, economic crises since the 1850s. Uh, I mean, so it's people have now been more busy uh, with making sure that they have water and that they have food and that they have electricity and they have fuel to get to work. And so all of these hopeful ideals of you know, political change and building a, a new, more just and progressive society have sort of taken a backseat to more urgent economic matters. You know, we need assistance now. We need, you know, rations. We need subsidies, you know, whatever the, the economic demand was. Um, and that really did weaken the protest movement. Um, but it has been very heartening to see some political parties emerge from the protest movement with very progressive uh, platforms. We have uh, parliamentary elections coming up in May 2022. And a lot of these new parties will in the next few months be announcing their platforms and forming coalitions and contesting these uh, elections. So I think that'll be a real, a very, you know, a very uh, big telling, you know, telling point of, of where uh, the public is now and just how much support this political class has lost. Aya, thank you so much for taking the time to speak today. Thank you. Thanks. That was a conversation with Aya Majzoub from Human Rights Watch in Beirut. Um, I feel the organization um, has been doing such important work to critically document the um, follow-ups um, demands and points calling for accountability surrounding the Beirut port explosion in the summer of 2020. Um, that call for justice continues and I thought it was important to share the voice of Aya at Human Rights Watch in Beirut uh, surrounding this. Uh, campaign for justice. I think it's very important. And also, I, I hope that this exchange can draw people's attention to the social movements in Lebanon calling for systemic change, um, a redrawing of and questioning of the sectarian political system that um, um, is, of course, beyond any specific event, but more a reimagination of the political order in the country that in a lot of ways has so deeply been shaped unjustly by French colonial power, um, dating back to the sectarian nature of power sharing within the Lebanese parliament. Um, I'm Stefan Christophe in Montreal. This is the 62nd edition of Free City Radio podcast. I share a new edition every Tuesday. Thank you for listening. Um, and we'll be back next Tuesday with a podcast. Of course, Free City Radio also broadcasts on Wednesdays at 11 a.m. on CKUT 90.3 FM. That's Campus Community Radio here in Montreal. That is um, another project um, in the sense that you hear different voices on the radio broadcast. So that's it. Um, thanks for tuning in this week. Um, I will go out with a piece of music by a friend of mine in Beirut who produces a lot of records and created this beautiful album that he passed on a vinyl copy of to me 
when I was in uh, Beirut last time in 2019, Fadi Tabal. And um, I'll share uh, Fadi's music. And I hope to join you next week on Tuesday. This is Free City Radio. Find us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating if you like what you're hearing. Been recording these uh, intros and extras for the podcast, walking around outside in the city, trying something different, giving you a sense of where I'm at. So that's it for this edition. I'll talk to you next week. Here's a piece of music by Fadi Tabal. And take care.